Welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. In this series, Simon Barrington and Johnny Abbott are joined each week by emerging leaders from the millennial generation. Today, our guest is Alex Sheen. Alex is an experienced aerospace and defense professional who's passionate about seeing cultural transformation through the corporates he works in. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Johnny Abbott. I'm here with Simon Barrington. Uh, and today we have Alex Sheen with us. Hey, Alex. Welcome, Alex. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good, good, good. We were talking just a moment ago about how you'd come back from the school run and everything else. And um, maybe that's a good place to start. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your family. Yeah, so uh, parent of two young children. One just started school. So we're um, we're all going through a lot of transitions in uh, in that regard, a lot of change at home as well as, you know, always always seeking change at work. So, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting time for us. Brilliant. And so I'm not a parent, but uh, the, the, even the thought of school runs and uh, parenting and all of that stuff uh, would scare the absolute heck out of me. But uh, not only do you have all of that to think about, but you're also an uh, aerospace and defense professional. Um, now, when I heard that, and this is my ignorance, uh, I saw that and thought that sounds like fighting on the moon. Um <laughs> Now, has that got any any relevance to that at all? Uh, I mean, the aerospace and defence sector generally does include space within that, so you know, launching <laughs> satellites, you know, aerial imagery, that sort of thing. But um, but personally, I don't have any experience of fighting on the moon, though. So, what does your role entail within that? Um, so, I've I've worked in quite a variety of roles over the years in government, uh, in large corporates, across finance, operations, strategy. Um, moving shortly into more of a sort of general management position. And I think really for me, it's about creating and providing solutions to problems that allow us to connect the world better, whether that's kind of in person on aeroplanes, whether that's using satellite communications to allow us to make video calls around the world, or whether that's, you know, something much more, I guess, at the coalface and is about defence, it's about security, um, it's about how are we making the world a safer place um, how are we, you know, driving those kinds of solutions that, you know, allow people to kind of go about their daily lives without really realising um, all of the security infrastructure, all of the defence infrastructure that, that allows those things to happen. And I think we can often take that for granted um, uh, in this sort of pretty privileged position mm. that we live in. So, you know, for me, it's a real, it's really exciting when you see something that has actually gone and delivered a change, you know, either in the way that we um, are projecting influence um, around the world uh, as a country um, or even at home just again some of the tools some of the um, amazing technology out there that is you know making borders safer making travel safer uh, and all of those things really kind of wrap into that sort of defense and aerospace sector and has this always been an interest for you when did uh, when did this pursuit start for uh, aerospace and defense and technology and, and those things begin I guess I've I've always had a bit of a kind of pull towards something that's that's kind of bigger than myself. I always loved things like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars as a kid because it was <laughs> about nice. it was about that kind of epic adventure, being part of something that's bigger than you, about leaving a legacy that outlasts you know your job, your career, possibly even your life. And I think mm. there aren't that many industries where you can kind of finish at the end of the day or hopefully you know at some point retire from and look back and say you know we really made a difference there you know we connected families we made nations safer we you know uh, mm. allowed the transportation of you know vital vaccines around the world at greater speed you know whatever it is there are some real you know really big tangible problems out there that I think you can have a real impact on and that very much aligns with I guess my passion you know to have that kind of sense of 
something bigger, um, something a bit adventurous uh, that, that, as I say, leaves the world a better place than, than the way I found it. And that sense of purpose is something which seems to be um, really important to uh, your generation, Alex. Would you say that you see that in your colleagues around you, this sense of actually you are part of something bigger and you want to align yourself with something that's going to make make a significant change? Is that something you recognise in, in those around you as yeah, well? Yeah, it, it is. And I think it's interesting when you look at the way that companies themselves are trying to position themselves a lot more now. You see these sort of big and bold mission statements and vision statements that are really trying to capture kind of the essence of what that company is trying to deliver and make that something meaningful, something purposeful. And, you know, I mean, I know we can always go back to Friedman's, you know, the business of business is business. But I think Mm -hmm. actually people are looking for more than that. And that's not to say that they necessarily see the future is every business becoming a kind of not-for-profit type organization, but that they're really clear that, yes, they're profit-making, yes, they make money, but that is as part of a kind of broader attempt to solve a particular problem. And I think, you know, certainly amongst my colleagues, you know, we're really proud to work for an organization that has a really clear mission statement that, you know, we can, you know, we can all kind of proudly sign up to and to my shame all recite. Um, but, it, but, it, but it very much is, is about being part of those organisations where there is, you know, there's a mission, there's a vision, there's something that you can say, yeah, I don't in any way feel uncomfortable with the work that we do as a business because, you know, I believe in it. Um, you know, I believe in what we do. I believe in the solutions that we deliver. And, you know, as, as millennials as a whole, that desire to do something with a real, a real mission, a real purpose that is bigger than us, that isn't just... Um, you know, re- increasing returns to shareholders, but is increasing returns to all stakeholders, which includes you know the other inhabitants of the planet. So, so, so I get, Alex, the, the the question in which that would lead to for us is is why is that important? Why is that important for you? And 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 maybe even expanding from that in terms of uh, the generation you're in, uh, why is that important to them? I think it's probably because we've to an extent seen the impact of what a kind of relentless pursuit of shareholder returns want of a better word can lead to Um, i graduated just after the recession and whilst i wouldn't say something like that has acutely kind of weighed upon me it certainly brings you out with a mindset of what maybe kind of pursuing growth through debt isn't necessarily the right way to go about it we perhaps don't take a job for life uh, as, as something that's necessarily going to happen. You know, we don't take those sorts of things for granted that perhaps people have done for the sort of 15 or 20 years before that, that financial crisis. And I think to an extent that's probably coloured a little bit about what we want to do. And I guess as we've increased the way that we can collaborate, we've increased the way that we can be a lot more mobile between jobs, between countries, that's allowed us to go, well, yeah, I am passionate about this and there is a way for me to go and align my passions with my work in ways that perhaps weren't there before because we were, I guess, faced by this sort of, you know, much more monolithic set of companies, whereas now with a much more kind of mixed space of, you know, we very entrepreneurial startups with, you know, quite laudable goals in, in many of them, almost the opportunities to go, well, I, I quite like to do that and I can do that there before, whereas... I imagine the generation before I said, well, I'd love to do that, but but how on earth can I do that kind of thing? You know, there is only one option here and that is, you know, corporate career. And so as a Christian, do you think that your faith can influence that and shape that and shape the way that organisations are influencing and making a difference? Because because not every organisation would be seen as Chris, by Christians mm-hmm. as making a positive 
difference and a positive impact take the betting industry for instance um so as christians how, how, how can you shape that how can you influence it how can you enable organizations to be redeemed if you like um in terms of the impact that they're having on society it's a really interesting topic and i and i know there are a lot of different perspectives on the theology of you know how is you know creation redeemed how is creation renewed and i think for me the opportunity to work in a large organization like I do, which which in itself has a huge amount of influence and recognizing that, you know, being part of shaping in a small way and hopefully through my career growing into, into larger and larger ways, shaping the decisions that that business makes, shaping uh, the, the opportunities that we pursue, the things we do, the things we don't do. I think as a, as a particularly a large organization in many ways, you've got real opportunity to go and shape the way that, that governments think, the way that society's put together. And I think, you know, if we think about almost the three spheres of, of kind of transformation, you know, we, we can transform ourselves. Um, and then we, we go and look at how do we go and solve the needs of our communities. But actually, to me, the real way that we go and solve those problems is that, you know, much more macro level cultural transformation. You know, we are not going to solve um, things like world poverty without solving the systems and the structures behind it. And I think that being in the kind of organization that is engaging at those levels that has a seat at some of those tables the opportunity to really go and i guess make those large-scale cultural changes those macro changes as it were that will really deliver more than just a kind of sticking plaster solution is something that you know i firmly believe is is kind of where i'm where i'm kind of being being directed to um being guided to because it the opportunity to, to have that kind of level of influence almost because of the organization you work for um, you know, is mm. really, really incredible. That's great. Alex, you spoke earlier as well about some of the things that even growing up in terms of maybe inspired you and directed you into this area, such as like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and such. Uh, also know that you love the Old Testament. You're a Christian guy and you love the stories of uh, of people in there. That really excited me and uh, and, and love to read that because I'm the same uh, I'm the same in that respect. But, but what were some of the stories that really drive you in what you do now uh, from the Old Testament? I guess the one that I've always, always loved is Nehemiah. And I think it, it's almost in that first chapter, we see what a phenomenal servant and witness he's been um, to, to the king. And, you know, and if you go and look at, you know, what the role of a cupbearer was back in those times, you know, they were a confidence to the king, you know, maybe even a sort of chief of staff type equivalent role as we might see in an organization now. And to have got to that role within the court to have been trusted that closely by the king i think is a real testament to the way that nehemiah conducts himself as an employee for want of a better word you know as a servant um and that we can see through his life how you know his dedication to really serving an organization to serving an earthly leader who was who was put over him actually then allowed him to gain that influence to gain the support of the king to allow him to then go and rebuild the walls and i think for me you know he there's no he, he would really have struggles to go and do a lot of that rebuilding had he not built up that trust built up the support of the king and i guess really mm. through his life showed what was important to him you know how his faith was important how to him the restoration of his people was really really important and by conveying that through his actions through his words but also by being a really honouring servant to the king. Actually, when he went to the king and you know, the king notices that you know, something is weighing heavily upon him, such as is the depth of their relationship, 
But when he explains the situation to the king, and the king is, you know, leaps to support him in that kind of broader mission. And I think that that has all hinged on the fact that he's built this really powerful relationship that he has, you know, clearly really dedicated himself to doing that role of cupbearer and whatever roles he was in before that so well that he's built up that relationship that he's gained that level of trust and the ability for him to then go and deliver I guess the real dream that God has put on his heart to, to restore the city is absolutely uh, you know requires him to have had that relationship so so for me if you kind of map that back now it's kind of you know as I talked then about being part of those big organizations, being part of those organizations of influence and seeing how, you know, here is a man who is part of a very large organization, he was part of, you know, the core, the wider government structure. And actually his role within that, his, the way that he conducted himself, the way that he really honored that employer actually then meant that his employer, that the king released him and in fact enabled and supported and resourced him to go and really deliver some kind of cultural transformation, some real kind of kingdom bringing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hey, that's really exciting and, and love uh, love that story too. Love the, uh, even after he speaks to the king, he then has to ask for resources to go and stuff like that. And maybe we don't often read that story in the lens of an employee and what that looks like in building trust with authorities and the rest of it. But um, but yeah, totally right on. And, and um, yeah, fascinating to see how that influences you in a, in a secular setting as well. Uh, so, Alex, we talked earlier about um, uh, mentors, mm-hmm. and obviously you've been influenced by Old Testament stories, which is great. But who are the people who've who've mentored you in your leadership journey so far, who've really influenced the steps that you've taken, the sense of purpose that you have in the secular workplace? Who's come alongside you and, and, and mentored you? And what's that looked like for you? Sure. So I, I've benefited very heavily from a lot of secular uh, mentors the organization i work for is is really blessed to have a lot of really really incredibly talented people in positions of leadership and authority many of whom are you know very willing to kind of step out of their way and, and kind of you know take on people as mentees you know we have a formal system but there's also kind of an awful lot of informal mentoring going on and we have a lot of mm. um, what we call kind of leaders teaching leaders so there's a, a real expectation that senior leaders are supposed to be finding time in their schedules, in their work, to really pass on what they've learned, kind of, you know, the, 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 the good and, and the bad. And I guess mm. in some of the roles I've done, um, one of them working very, very closely with one of the senior executives in, in, in the UK, really allowed me to see, to for better and for worse, some really, really amazing kind of attributes of, of leadership and, and how that plays out under different scenarios. So, a lot of it has kind of been having the opportunity to almost be a fly on the wall in a lot of these scenarios, as well as then having people I could go and ask questions to afterwards. But I think, I guess, more in the sort of the, 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 the way that you kind of then try and bridge the gap between your faith and your workplace. I think it's something that, you know, personally, I found very hard to find a really good mentors for. Um, okay. I think that's possibly driven by, you know, we, we live on the South Coast. Um, rather than in, in London and, and that to an extent drives I guess the kinds of industries that people work in um, as, as we said I work in, in a large corporate setting and you know finding people who I guess have a similar career path career trajectory work mm-hmm. in a similar sort of at least environment if not industry it mm-hmm. is actually quite challenging and you know really supportive church leadership who actually are, are, have been doing some really good things around 
you know, trying to understand what are, what are our people doing outside of church? You know, most of our congregation mm. don't, don't work for the church. Um, and, mm. and one of the things that church has been doing really brilliantly is celebrating people's achievements outside of work. So one of our senior leaders yeah. on a weekly basis kind of trawls Facebook and kind of goes, hey, you know, here are some of the things that I've seen people celebrating. But are kind of off the mm. back of that, as they've built their understanding of what people are doing, what people are pursuing. So, for example, I've recently finished an MBA. Um, that's obviously very demanding on your time. And mm. one of the senior leaders at church, his question to me was always, what can we do to help you? wasn't can you join this rotor can you come and help with this can you help with that it was very much uh you know we see what you're doing we support what god's calling you to and actually we don't want to burden you with more church what we want to do is explore mm. ways that, that we can really support you and if that mostly means just making sure that when you come on a sunday that's for you to come and be renewed and refreshed then kind of great mm. Yeah, and, and and one of the challenges I think that uh, we found in in the research that we did, which I know you were part of, was how we get this intergenerational uh, mentoring um, across the generations, but across the sectors mm-hmm. as well, um, really embedded as a normal part of uh, of church life. What have you seen working well, um, and, and and what would you change, I suppose, in the way that we approach it as church and as churches and what would be of most support and benefit to you in 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 that role and to your generation so i think almost i would probably start with my generation as a place where you know i know for myself i can be kind of quite quick to to write people off i can be very fussy about you know well well has that person you know is that person going to be able to impart anything useful to me you know, are they going to have the kind of things that I'm looking for in a mentor? And I think, you know, as a generation, we obviously have to accept that, you know, we do have some differences from, from the previous generations, but almost recognize that actually there is still an awful lot of wisdom in there. And no, that may not mean that the person that's mentoring you is some, you know, superstar executive who is, you know, in a really senior role at the age of 25 um kind of thing but but actually they still got an awful lot of wisdom they you know they will have been to more meetings than you they may have been parenting their children and being an employee for, for longer than you. And, and i know and they've probably got more scars exactly. than you as and, well there's <laughs> probably an element of actually kind of having the humility to say well yeah th- there is an awful lot of wisdom uh, amongst you know amongst kind of everybody yeah, everybody's got something to teach us but i mm. think we almost need to be a bit more I guess ambitious in pursuing that generation and saying, "Hey, look, I, I know you mm. guys probably may not feel like you're in a, in, you know, you're at a place where you have got all the answers. We're not, we're not necessarily looking for the answers. We just want to kind of hear your stories, mm. understand the mm. things you've done, the things you, you know, wish you'd done mm. differently, and that sort of thing. And I, and I think it's, it's very easy to get sucked into turning mentoring into some kind of very formal, very structured thing. And I think that's almost mm. where it loses some of its value it's much better when it's a lot more natural but again building those intergenerational bridges particularly when you're in a situation i'm in with two small children you know we're kind of constantly dealing with the well you know what time do we have to do anything other than you know work Mm. and get our children to sleep and then hopefully get some sleep of our own Mm. kind of thing but at the same Mm. time i think something we've been i guess we've been seeing a lot less in terms of the workplace but more in terms of sort of motherhood is actually some of the mums in our church whose children are perhaps Mm. at secondary school or even have left home have actually now been 
finding ways to come and help some of the younger families in the church and go, well, look, can we give you a morning a week? Can we help you out? You know, is there anything that, you know, you want to talk about? And I, and I think it's almost, mm. there has to be a bit more of a pursuit by both generations, I think, really. Yeah, and, and part of that from the research for us was about uh, people letting one another into close proximity mm. of their lives, actually, of breaking down some of the barriers and uh, and just doing life together and being real together and facing the the real issues and problems um, together. And that's a constant plea that we heard from millennials was just let us into the, the rawness of your life and let us into proximity with the challenges that you've faced and, and let's learn from one another, actually. So that was another plea was kind of a bi-directional mentoring where actually there's a recognition that there are things to learn both ways as well. Have you seen any models of that? happening well either in the workplace or in church um in in the workplace probably more so so i think Mm -hmm. as a generation we're probably a little bit more tech savvy and you know people often joke oh you don't need tech support you just need a millennial kind of thing um which i I think (laughs) think is a bit flippant but but certainly you know i've seen there's been a bit more of a i guess this is more in the context of a kind of formal mentoring but but accepting that you know we've both got different experiences and you know, my generation is probably a bit slicker on you know some of the newer ways to communicate but that's probably come at the expense mm. of some of the face-to-face you know, i hate picking up the telephone to people you know I'm, i would much rather mm-hmm. send an instant message you know if i'm kind of oh could you just mm-hmm. ring so and so i just die inside um <laughs> and, 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 but, but actually the you know the, the generations before are probably much better at i guess establishing some of that more personal communication but sometimes you know in business you absolutely need to get that kind of difficult issue through a meeting and those sorts of things you know an instant message and an email will not do but we may not be all that comfortable with that as a, as a medium and, and i think but but similarly there are other times where it's like well actually we really didn't need a meeting for this because there's some collaboration tools there's a different way to think about it and i think mm. some of that kind mm. of upward and downward learning in the workplace has actually been been quite interesting to see where people have almost come with a, well, I would like to share this. I would like to kind of increase the knowledge of this within our kind of group. And that, you know, goes both ways. And and has that led to conflict sometimes? Um, I would say not particularly um, in, in our particular context. I think probably because generally if people are seeing something is, you know, more efficient and more effective there, you know, robust enough to kind of go well yeah that that's probably the right way i, I you know certainly not say that people won't mm. regress back to their default behaviors um over the course of time yeah. but uh, yeah i wouldn't say it's yeah. been been so much a conflict thing i think a lot of the time it's just mm. you know people deliberately making the time to actually go and you know go and do those things to think about well, what what could i share or what do i need to learn more of and who might know more about that i think that's probably been more of a challenge Hey, uh, one of the questions that we ask um, to all of the people that come to the podcast is this, and we'd love to, to get your insight on this as well. Um, but what's the biggest tension that you live with in your leadership? I guess for me, it's you look at the stories of people like Nehemiah and Daniel and, you know, amazing, amazing workers, servants, leaders in, in their place. But I kind of sit there and I put that up against attention of also again you know a millennial thing wanting to be a lot more involved in in our family lives in the lives of our children doing things like the school runs and you know if you have a co-worker come to you at the end of the day to say oh i'm glad i caught you can you help me with this 
but you're about to go home so you can have dinner with your kids you know what, what do you do kind of thing and I think that tension of how do I be a really engaged, involved, loving parent who, you know, is very much, you know, sees home and home life as a team effort, but also is someone who really wants to honour my colleagues, witness to them, be helpful, you know, serve them, support them. You know, how, how on earth do you balance that kind of knife edge? Because yeah. it is so easy to stray from, you know, one way to the other um and kind of derail both in, in the process and, I, and, and that's something i you know i'm constantly kind of asking people how, how, do, you, how do you manage that tension how do you be that really engaged and involved you know employee co-worker team leader whatever it is who is there to kind of help out the people you work with but that doesn't come at the expense of you know spending no time at home kind of thing i think that's a real a real challenge Mm. And what are some of the ways in which you try and uh, try and manage that tension? I mean, for me, I've always been quite clear from the outset about my, you know, these are the hours I'm kind of expecting to be in the office. You know, I'm really happy to help you, you know, but I really do need to be leaving at this time. But if there's something really urgent, then, you know, let me pick that up later on. You know, what's really important for me is getting home you know, helping get dinner with the kids, get them to bed, that kind of thing. And if that means I need to log on for a couple of hours in the evening to deal with something that's that's urgent and important, then I'm kind of really happy to do that. But but to me, it's it, it's about the boundaries, but how you communicate those boundaries, I think it is, is quite difficult sometimes because particularly when you're working with, you know, people who perhaps have different expectations of, um, you know, their engagement at home or don't necessarily have children or, you know, we've all got our different kind of expectations. And then when you say, well, this is kind of what I'm trying to do, sometimes you get this sort of very blank look. Um, and I think that is that is difficult. And that's not just a sort of intergenerational thing. That's, you know, that is kind of everyone's at different stages of life. And, you know, those different contexts mean we see those problems in, in really quite different ways at times. Um, the second question that we ask all the people that come to the podcast is this, what's your greatest excitement and greatest fear when it comes to leading? So I'm, I'm going to start with my greatest fear. Um, despite having what I think probably comes across as a pretty confident image, um, actually, and I have a feeling this probably applies to, to a lot of us, you know, really, really insecure underneath, you know, really terrified ultimately of, being given some responsibility and and making a mess of it, getting it wrong, causing mm. damage to, you know, to people either because, you know, relationships have been damaged or, you know, maybe we get something really wrong and people lose their jobs. You know, that that to me is is absolutely terrifying. And I think when you add kind of mm. the layer on top of that of, you know, God has given me all these gifts and talents and abilities that I'm kind of so desperate to employ for good. And I, you know, I don't want to feel like I've wasted that or I've squandered that either because I've made a mess of something or I've not, you know, driven hard enough after something. And that, you know, really, really you know, kind of chills me to the core of like, oh, am I, am I really ready for this? Like, what if I get it wrong? And I think you just have to, you just have to kind of allow people to, you know, to, to take a risk on you. And I think that kind of then links to my greatest excitement. So I've just been in a position at work where, you know, a few people have said, look, we really want to take a risk on you and give you this, you know, this really big, mm. you know, responsibility mm. to kind of take forward. And, you know, the, the sky is really the limit, but, you know, the, the downside is also pretty huge. 
Um, but actually, it's been really exciting to have a period where, you know, a few senior leaders have said, hey, look, we know you're looking for, you know, the, your next challenge. And we think, you know, you can do this. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be out of your comfort zone. But we believe you can do this. And I think, you know, as, as a you know bunch of lazy, entitled, narcissistic snowflakes, we are yes <laughs> we are we got 28 minutes through without that coming up um but we are we are just so desperate for that affirmation that we're kind of doing it right that we we're on the right lines and i think so exciting to feel like when you really push for something you know you pursued it spiritually you pursued it academically you pursued it you know in, in the way you've been conducting yourself at work to have that i guess really kind of reflected back on you to say hey you know Hey, Nehemiah, you know, we see the great work you're doing as a cupbearer. There's something weighing on you. What is it and how can we help? Here is some trust. You know, we're going to go trust you to go and do this for us kind of thing. And I think that is so exciting, so, so exciting to, to, to receive that affirmation in such a kind of clear way. Alex, thank you so much, both for your honesty and your humility and, and also your vulnerability in the way that you, mm. you shared this morning. It's so exciting for me to hear of a, a, a young Christian leader uh, seeking to live out their faith in a, in a corporate and do that in a way uh, that is full of integrity, um, but also recognises the significant challenges uh, they're involved in in, in influencing um, with that in that environment and making a difference. So, Alex Sheen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. For more dedicated resources to equip emerging leaders, visit our new website, millennial-leader.com. And don't forget to catch up on the Forge Leadership Podcast at forge-leadership-podcast.com. Hold up. 